One of the blessings, one of the evidences of salvation is that you hunger and thirst for the Word of God. Um, I can give you my personal experience of before I came to know the Lord, I never picked up a Bible. I had one as a good luck charm, but, um, but I didn't want to read it. I surely didn't want to be around the people of God, and I surely didn't want to sing the praises of God. But, but one of the first things that happened whenever I, I, was, I was regenerated, when I was born again, when I was saved, when God changed me on the inside, was, was He gave me new desires, and one of those desires was to hear the Word of the, of the Lord. And not only hear it, but, but a desire to do it. Now, like you, I, I don't always fulfill that perfectly, but the desire's there, the longing is there, the pursuit is there. And so the centerpiece of the gathering of God's people is obviously worship of Him, but, but, but the pulpit here, I don't know if you understand the symbolism in, in church history and otherwise, but, but the centerpiece of our service is the preaching of the Word of God. That's why the pulpit is here. You've probably seen other churches where the pulpit's to one side and the, the Lord's table is to the other side. That's the symbolism, saying they're, they're equal. These are equal graces. But we know man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the pulpit is the center, not because I'm the center, I'm to hide behind the cross, but because of the words of the Lord. And I can promise you, if God can do something through through the servants of the disciples or me, He can He can do something through you and in you. And we're going to see that in the Gospel of Mark this morning. So why don't you open to Mark chapter 6. And we ended with, with Jesus uh, sending the disciples away for some rest. And, and Jesus gets out of the boat. The, the people run around the seashore and see where they're going to go because the Sea of Galilee is, is like in a, in a depression. It's 680-some feet below sea level. So they're up on the mountains. They're able to see. They can see the boat going. And so they run around. And, and they're there whenever Jesus and the disciples get off of the, off of the boat and Jesus steps off the boat. He sees this massive crowd. And you've got this statement in Matthew six thirty four. It says, When Jesus went ashore, he saw the large crowd. He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without, without a shepherd. That's the Lord's heart put on display for us. He sees the crowd and he immediately thinks mission. He is the, the shepherd that's going to come and gather the sheep because the sheep are lost with, without the shepherd. And in reading that, it reminded me of my of my great uncle, who who was a who was a farmer, and and he had he had cattle, but he also had sheep, and he was a I greatly admired him. He fought in World War II. He loved one woman his entire life. Later in the ground, after seventy years, he loved Jesus, and he was a hard worker. And I can remember him teaching me about sheep before I ever went into ministry and was called to 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 be an under shepherd. And I can remember him telling me about the constant care. I, 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 he would have cows, and, and he would also have the sheep, and he'd say the cows are easy compared to the, compared to the sheep. The constant care sheep require. He said if they get wounded, they'll just stand there and, and either bleed to death or, or a, a disease will come or flies will come, and, and then they'll, they'll get infected, and they'll just keel over and die. They, they won't seek help. They'll, they'll almost be paralyzed if, if they're threatened. They won't even run. A lot of times they'll just stand there and, and be devoured. And I thought of him as I prepared and, and as I read uh, this past week, no animal is as dependent as a sheep. Without someone to guide it, it wanders. It's easily lost and becomes food for wild animals. So it's no mistake 
that God describes us as sheep. And there's no mistake that we relate to that if we've lived very long. We understand we wander, we sing about it. And there's also no mistake that Jesus is described as the good shepherd and the great shepherd of, of the sheep. And in Matthew, or in Mark chapter 6, Jesus sees the, the, the people of Galilee without a shepherd. And we're going to see today how Jesus presents himself as the shepherd in feeding them. And we're also going to learn what, what, what a shepherd doesn't look like from the, from the disciples. The disciples were commissioned to go under authority. They return in accountability. And that all leads up to this scene, which is called the feeding of the, of the, of the 5,000. Now, there's, there's a lot of, of Old Testament um, references here and messianic uh, uh, overtones. So some of you are going to listen to this and you're going to key in on the fact that Jesus is the shepherd and he's going to provide for me and that's absolutely true. But I want to encourage, I want to encourage you to, to chase some of these rabbit trails this morning because this is amazing. There's no mistake that Jesus says that they're like sheep without a shepherd, which is a reference to Numbers 27.17 and Ezekiel 34.5. There's no mistake. There's messianic markings all over this passage. There's no mistake that there are 12 disciples who are the sent ones replacing the 12 tribes of Israel. It's, they're called into the desert for, for, for labor. They're... No mistake that it's the presence of Jesus with them. It's no mistake that there's a, a desolate... Uh, a desperate multitude in this desolate place, in this desert place with them. It's no mistake that that uh, Jesus says God's people in the desert need a shepherd who will provide for them. It's no mistake that, that there's one who's a greater Moses and one who's a greater David. And it's no mistake that he's going to lead them out into the promised land. He's going to feed them. It's no mistake that this next miracle, Jesus performs feeding with bread from heaven in the midst of the wilderness. Now, I mean, all of that's purposeful. And the disciples miss every bit of it. Now, this is obviously a familiar story. I know it's familiar because it was familiar to me, even as, a, even as an unsaved man. But, but I'm not sure if you realize this, but there are only two miracles that are in all four Gospels. There are only two miracles that are recorded in all four Gospels. And one of those is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a pretty significant miracle, isn't it? The resurrection. The other miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels is this one, the feeding of the 5,000. So did you realize that this miracle is, is second to the resurrection in recording? It's the biggest public miracle that, that Jesus uh, will, ha will have done up to this point. It's the final major miracle in Gal uh, Galilee. There's twenty to 25,000 people gathered in this place. He's going to feed all of them, and he's transitioning from going about on his own, preaching in Galilee, to training the disciples, and now he's going to move the ministry away from Galilee into Judea as he begins to move toward the, toward the cross. So this is a very significant moment in the, in the life, of the, in the, life of, of the Lord. And so here is the, the, the outline. Jesus is the, is the promised shepherd. That's what Mark wants us to see. And there's the problem presented in verses 35 through 37. There's a provision presented in verse 38 through, uh, through 41. And then there's the proof provided in verse 42 through 44. Let's look at the, the problem presented in verse 
35. The real problem is not the lack of food. The real problem resides with, within the disciples. Look, if you would, at verse 35. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it's already quite late. Send them, send the people away, so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You're going to focus on the disciples in the problem here. And the first thing that they do is they they overstep their bounds. You see this in verse 35. It's already quite late, the, the Mark tells us. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, this place is desolate or it's a lonely place. Dismiss the crowd so they can they can obtain food. Now, I want you to notice what they're called in verse 35. When it when it also was already quite late, his disciples came to him. Do you remember in verse 34, the scene shifts from the apostles to Jesus, and now they're called disciples again, because they're acting like disciples. They're not acting like apostles. They're not acting like sent ones. The crowd runs ahead and comes to the wilderness as well. Jesus steps out of the boat. He engages the crowd. It's already quite late because Jesus has been teaching them. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And he he begins to share his word with them. And he teaches them late into the day. And the disciples come and say to him, this place is desolate, a lonely place. Dismiss the crowd so they can go obtain food. And they focus on the loneliness of the place and the lateness of of the hour. It's a desolate place. It's said twice, a lonely place. And it's late in the in the day. Both are circumstances and have nothing to do with the master and have nothing to do with the with the mission. Jesus is about the mission because he's the he's the master. So that's why they're called disciples again. They're missing the mission. And the loneliness of the place just means it's it's not in a town where they, where they can't where they can't get food. There's no stores to buy bread, there's there's no homes to lodge in and, and and the day is drawing close, uh, drawing to a close. And, and the disciples are looking around saying, if there's any hope for, for them to find food, you need to send them away right now, Lord. Now, now this, is, this is pretty comical. Because the disciples are feeling their oats from their short-term mission trip, and they're coming to give Jesus direction. I mean, they're oblivious to the crowd... And when they, when they arrived on the scene, Jesus is the one that initiates the ministry. And now they see the lateness of the hour. They're probably hungry, them, hungry themselves and they offer the Lord some, some, some advice. This is the, a lonely place, Lord, and, and you, you might want to wrap up the lesson. I mean, when I was growing up, there was uh, um, cartoons and, uh, you know, the three channels. And I was my dad's channel changer, you know, all the horror stories. He had to get up and turn the, turn the channel. And one of them, you remember Foghorn Leghorn? And you remember the, the little uh, um, uh, chicken hawk? Okay, the, the, I, I immediately pictured that when I was reading this about the disciples. They're like little banny roosters. You know, they're going up to the Lord. You know, we're pretty successful. We've come back and we've reported and we've preached your words and we've done your works. And the crowd is now following us and... Yes, you've done good. We, you need some rest. Let's come away to the other side. And then the, the, the picture begins to turn. They miss the point. And, and Jesus begins to do the ministry. And they're listening to Jesus preach. And it's, you know, 11.50. And 12 o'clock's coming. And lunch is coming. And they, they give the Lord some, some advice. I'm sure you've, you've never done that. I'm sure you've never overstepped your spiritual boundaries and given the Lord advice. 
um, couched in an obvious problem that he already knows about, right? I mean, you've never done that. You've never come off of, of a success when you've been obedient, feeling your spiritual oats and saying you're believing you're now the expert in all things. I mean, there's a passage in the Bible that says, be careful when you think you stand, lest you do what? Oh. I mean, they're acting like the person who loses five pounds and then becomes the personal trainer for everybody else. You ever met somebody like that? They go on a diet and drop five pounds and then they're giving you all kinds of advice. We have a tendency when we are apostles to forget that we're disciples first and Jesus is going to bring them back to that, to that truth. Who was it that led them to the lonely place to begin with? I mean, this is a lonely place, Lord, and it's getting late in the day. Who was it that led them to the lonely place to begin with? Because they had not had rest themselves or eaten. It was the Lord. Who was it that said that they should rest? It was the Lord. Who was it that chose to teach instead of feeding the crowd? You remember what Jesus does? Immediately, he begins to teach the Lord. And in those circumstances, he is setting up a teachable moment for the disciples and a great blessing for the, for the crowd. They begin the problem. Disciples overstep their bounds. And then they also overlook the, the real source, which is Christ. Look at verse 37. But he answered them. Jesus answered them. And he said, you give them something to eat. It's emphatic. You, yourselves, in contrast to themselves finding something. The disciples say, send them away so that they may find themselves something to eat. And Jesus says, you, yourselves, give them something to eat. Now, what does he mean by that? I mean, does Jesus think that the disciples, like the disciples believe, that he's actually asking them to go, to go buy bread? I mean, is it some kind of a joke? No, he's making a piercing point about where they're trusting. He's setting them up. And it's going to teach them a lesson. Where did they just return from and what were they doing? They, they were out preaching and teaching, doing, uh, preaching His words and doing His works. You remember what that included? It included healing the sick. It included casting out demons. Is feeding people food that they need harder for God than healing the sick or, or raising the dead? And they did that. They had that delegated authority. And Jesus has just told them, that they had that delegated authority. They just practiced that. And they've been running around telling men to repent, preaching the gospel, and, and, and they did. And all that power was delegated to them. And they're forgetting that. And the point I'd like to make is when you begin to overstep your spiritual bounds, you, you begin to overlook the real source. The real command is to serve as an extension of, of His power. It's an extension of His power. He, he's the vine, and we are the what? Branches. And if they had been the branches and abiding in the vine, they, they would have been able to, to do this miracle had they operated that way. But Jesus obviously knows their heart, and the disciples have already forgotten the lesson of dependency that they just learned. How did He send them out? Don't take any bag, don't take any bread, don't take any coin, don't even take two cloaks. Why? Because I'm going to provide for you. You're, you're going to be provided for in homes. You don't know these people. I'm going to, you're going to preach my words. They're going to respond to my words, and they're going to welcome you in, and they're going to feed you. The disciples were just fed. They got an opportunity to practice what they'd heard in the Sermon on the Mount. They're repeating the Sermon on the Mount to people. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're more important than the lilies. 
the birds of the air, and God feeds the birds, and, and now they're, they're being fed, and they're learning that dependency, and they've forgotten it. They've forgotten it all already. They were to depend upon God through the means of others, and now God's calling them to be the means by which He would provide for the crowds, and, and they're missing it. We're setting up the problem. And all that leads to, to admitting the, the mission. It leads focusing on the problem and overlooking the, the real mission, which were the people. Notice who they're going to send away in verse 36. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to, to eat. Who are they sending away? They're sending the sheep away. <laughs> and that's how they wanted to solve the problem. Not remember their role, not depend upon the, the source, but removing the people. That solved the problem. You've heard the statement, uh, there's no such thing as a perfect church, and if, if there was when you got there, it wouldn't be perfect anymore, right? It's true. People are the problem in the disciples' eyes here. Not only were the disciples too quick to send people away here, it's a, it's a common issue. This is one of the first times that they do it. In Matthew 15, 23, they, they want to send the Syrophoenician woman away. Do you remember whenever the parents are bringing the, the little children to Jesus? And what do the disciples do? Don't bother the master right now. They, they want to rebuke the parents and send the children away. And what does Jesus say? Suffer the little children to come unto me. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. The disciples see them as a problem. Send the, send them away. Don't send my sheep away. That's why I'm here. To Jesus, the people were not the problem. They were the mission. And I have to admit, I, I can be guilty of that. I'm sure you would say you the same. People make messes, don't they? People are messes. People have needs. And so when those messes come and those needs come, those needs get too great, when we get to depend on our own resources, not on the Lord's resources, then, then, then the answer is to remove ourselves or remove the people. It's a lot of work to set up outreach days, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work in order to, to do things, ministry. And, and there's not always an immediate return. People use our facilities. We use our facilities and make messes. If we're not careful, we can make the very people we're supposed to reach unreachable because we see them as problems, not people God wants to, wants to say, save. Ministry is messy, <laughs> but the mission is reaching people. Jesus died for these problems, and you're a problem too. And Jesus died for you. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. I'm glad of that. That's why they're here. I mean, what, what's the purpose of being a disciple? They're an apostle. They're a sent one, and they're now called a, a disciple because they're, they're overstepping their bounds. They're, de, they're depending on their own resources. They've, lo, they've missed the lesson. They see the very mission as the problem. They want to send them away, <laughs> and they're missing the whole reason the shepherd came. He's seeking and saving. And when you rely on your own resources, that, that can lead to, to grumbling overextending their, their resources. Look at how the disciples answer in verse, verse 37, the second half. They, they don't get it. They're still thinking their resources. Verse 37, He, Jesus, answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to Him, Shall we go and spend 200 
denarii on bread and give them something to, to eat? And this is clueless and sarcasm kind of mixed in together. It's kind of like your teenager. Cluelessness and sarcasm mixed in together at times. It's like saying, are you serious? We don't have that kind of money. And even in John chapter 6 says that even if that was the case, it, would just, it wouldn't be enough to feed this crowd. It would only give them a taste. It's just a little. John chapter 6 says it was Philip who's the one who says this first. And the others start piling on an agreement. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, what Philip said. And Luke 9.13, they say we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless perhaps we go and buy food for, for all these people. Here's another reference to the Exodus. The disciples are like Moses crying in the wilderness in Numbers eleven thirteen to the Lord. Where am I to get meat to give all of these people? For they weep before me saying, give us meat that we may eat. I alone am not able to carry all this people because it is too burdensome for me. Woe is, is me. All preachers sing this song at times. I alone am able to carry all of these people because it's too burdensome for me. You're right, it is too burdensome for you, but it's not too burdensome for the Lord. And in response to Jesus' question, they seek to find a solution based on the resources available to them, and they ignore God's resources. That's the evidence that they don't get what Jesus is saying when He says, you give them something to eat. Hey, oh, yeah. I have delegated authority, and I just did these miracles, the works, and, and He's going to do another work. Okay. Tell me what to do, Lord. They look around at me. That's, that's not enough. <laughs> look at all these people. And when it's not enough, they begin to cast, cast doubt on God and, and, get, and get snarky. Um, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them just a little bit to eat? They're thinking in human terms. They're basically saying, it's not enough, Lord. That doesn't work. It's not enough. You ever been guilty of that? I have. God asks you to serve Him, engage in His work, and you look at your personal resources or abilities instead of His and say, that, that's not nearly enough. Lord, Lord, I can't give that. I, I'll not have enough. Instead of trusting that God can make 90 go much farther than 100, Lord, I can't do what you're asking me to do in that relationship. I don't have enough love to make it work. Instead of trusting God for His love that went to Calvary for you as His enemy. Why do you think Jesus tells them, you feed them? Well, it's a lesson. He knows their hearts and He wants, them to show, wants to show them that the situation is beyond human resourcefulness. And they're, they're, they're still stuck there. When you try to make it on your own resources, you end up sending people away or grumbling against the Lord. You end up stopping ministry. You end up seeing that ministry as the problem, people as the problem. And then you begin to grumble against the Lord. God, I gave it my all and it wasn't enough. Why did you fail me in that way? Lord, I served you and my kids still went, went, went sideways. Listen, your all is never enough. It's never going to be enough. It's Jesus' all. That is required and that is available. And now they're going to see that power. The problem is presented. 
and then the provision is is provided the provision is is provided look at verse 38 look at how the kindness of the lord i remember pastor joe hutchinson saying i'm glad i'm glad i'm not god because i'd be frying people i mean look at how compassionate he is he's i mean you know come on guys verse 38 he says to them how many loaves do you have go look he doesn't rebuke them so glad that the Lord's kind with my denseness. Jesus answers their objection with a question. How many loaves do you have? Go look. He doesn't say you answer, go look, and then come back and answer. And they answer again in, in despair. He asks them to count to prove where they're trusting. And he sets up this miracle. And they found out, verse 38, they come back and they say five and two fish. Five and two fish, that's, the, that's what we have. They go searching. And the other Gospels tell us where they found it. They found it with a little boy, a little lad that's, that's there. We don't have anything here except five bread cakes and two fishes. Meaning that's not nearly enough. That's, that's, that's still where they're at. The word lobe is, is like a word for a biscuit. You have ever been in the military or seen it, it's like hard tack. It's, it's like a biscuit or a cracker. Um, MacArthur said whenever he heard this story as a child, five loaves, he said, I grew up and all I ever thought about was Wonder Bread. So I was thinking, this is crazy. How is this possible? you got five loaves of Wonder Bread. How is this little boy carrying around five loaves of, of Wonder Bread? That would feed a lot of people as a little boy. These are five cracker-like wafers and some salted fish. And the fish would be very small, and they'd be eaten with the, with the crackers. And John 6 tells us what's going on in the disciples' heart when they, when they come back. Five and two fish is all Mark says. John 6 says, Andrew adds, and what are these for so many? I mean, look at all these people, Lord. And the text says that there are over 5,000 men that were fed. That doesn't include women and children. We know that there's a child there because that's where the loaves and the fishes come from. You got twenty to twenty-five thousand people here. I mean, this word for 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 man is males. This is not general human beings. This is a, these are five thousand men who who ate. And disciples are looking at twenty thousand plus people, and they're they're holding you know five crackers and, and and two fish, and they're hearing Jesus say, "You feed them." So it's replaying in there. In their head, what would your flesh be tempted to to think? What's your flesh tempted to think when when you you hold those same five crackers in your hands and you're you're facing a mountain of sin, two fish and a multitude of of problems? Don't be overwhelmed by the people. Be overwhelmed by the little amount God requires to do His overwhelming work because that's exactly what He does. He takes these five loaves, five crackers, and two fish. And now, with all of that, the table is set and Jesus begins to to do His work. Look at verse 39. He asks the question. They answer. They're still stuck in their own resources. It's not nearly enough. 
And he commanded them all, that's the entire crowd, to sit down by groups on the, on the green grass. He orders the people to sit down company by company. Jesus goes into action. He sets them in like table fellowship. And I want you to notice where he tells them to sit. They're to sit down by groups, company by company, on the green grass. It's springtime in, in Galilee. So in the springtime, they're, they're green places, even in this isolated area. And that's no mistake. I mean, this, this, if there's, if there's any other place in this passage where, where you can't miss the Old Testament overtones, it's in verse 39. It's no mistake that Jesus asked them to get into this order by fifties and, and the hundreds, and it's no mistake that he asked them to recline in green pastures on green grass. And what did Jesus say whenever he saw the, 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 the people? They're like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus is the true shepherd of Israel. Just like David said in the 23rd Psalm, who makes me recline or lie down in green pastures, and he's going to restore my soul. And he commands them to separate and get into groups of hundreds and fifties, which is exactly the way Israel was encamped in Exodus 18:21 in the Mosaic camp in the wilderness before God feeds. And those who follow him are gathered here in the wilderness where Jesus becomes the greater Moses and transforms this leaderless flock into the people of, of God. And by the way, uh, this arrangement in 50s and 100s is exactly why it was easy to, to calculate 5,000 men. 5,000 men. They're, they're in rows of 50s and 100s in blocks. It's easy, like this morning when the ushers are counting you. They know how many are in this section and how many in this section and how many in this section. And notice this is a command in verse, in verse 39. He commanded them all to sit down. Now, now you know this story, but, but, but try to think about what's going on in the, in the scene. Okay, they're there, and, and Jesus is teaching. It's late in the day, and the disciples interrupt his teaching. You know, Lord, it's getting a little late here. Probably need to send these guys away. You know, tone the sermon down. We're done. Wrap it up. Land the plane. Um, send them away in order to get some food. It's a, it's a lonely and desolate place. And Jesus says, you feed them in front of everybody. And they're going, he, what do you want us to do? I mean, we got 200 denarii. I mean, that's not even going to buy enough. And we'd have to go to the, to the town and, and, and otherwise. And Jesus says, look around. See what's available. And they come back. Go count it. And don't tell me. Go look. So they go to the people. Obviously, there's a little lad there that gives them, yeah, okay, here's my lunch, you can have it, as the Sunday school lesson says. And they come back to the Lord and say, you know, five loaves and two fishes. And then Jesus just says, he just commands everybody to sit down in the green grass and get in groups of fifties and hundreds. And they do it. I mean, they don't go, why? I mean, they just, they just sit down. And we know the story. The disciples must be thinking, what? What is he doing? I just told him he's got just, you know, five crackers and two fish. What does he mean, sit everybody down? Don't miss that Jesus has not told them what he's going to do. 
And instantaneously, they're all sitting and they're waiting to see what's, what's, what's going to happen. Who's being the faithful disciples in this scene? It's not the, the disciples. It's the crowd that obeys the Lord and they're sitting there. You know, the greatest blessing that I have as a teacher or a pastor is to feed hungry people. And one of the, one of the greatest pains and agonies is to, is to try to drag people to, to the table that God spreads and try to force them to eat. Obviously, it doesn't work. But feeding baby birds. Have you ever seen a mom come to a, come to a nest and the baby birds are, are just waiting? The mom's feeding the, the birds. It's the picture I get with this, this, these 50s and 100s. They just sit down there waiting. They've been listening, and now they're waiting. And then the miracle is, is performed. Verse 40, they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took, that's Jesus, took the five loaves and the two fish. He took what the disciples gave him. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves and kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the, the two fish among them all. Now, this is all symbol symbolism. This is he, he seats them in, in in reclining position, like table fellowship. Jesus performs the duty as a host. He he prays, pronouncing the blessing over the loaves and the fishes. Again, I'm just wondering what's going on in the disciples' mind. He does everything according to Jewish practice, except he looks toward heaven rather than to the ground. It's, the normal Jewish prayer would have been looking to the ground. Jesus looks toward heaven. And he says, if it was traditional, something, a prayer like, Praise unto the Lord, our God and King of the world, who makes bread to come forth from the earth. And then the whole crowd would have said, Amen. That would have been the blessing. And then Jesus begins to break off fragments. And the disciples are the waiters serving the massive crowd. Don't miss that lesson either. All right, guys, here it is. Go feed them. What did Jesus say? You feed them. And that's exactly what they're doing. But they thought you feed them meant you depend on your resources. Jesus never intended the disciples to depend on their resources. You feed them. And they're waiters and they serve the massive crowds and they go to this 50 and into that 100 and 20 to 25,000 people. And they serve an inexhaustible supply of messianic bread. Now, did you ever think about the manna in the wilderness? Everything that you and I eat, I never thought about this until I read it this past week. Everything that you and I eat comes from cursed food. The fish that you eat are cursed or under the curse. The bread that you eat comes from cursed ground. And the manna in the wilderness was bread from heaven. It's not cursed, is it? Here, he takes cursed fish and cursed bread, and, and there is messianic bread. It's a, it's a limitless supply. I bet it tasted really good, don't you? And they just keep giving. He just keeps giving, and they keep giving until all were, were, were full. And the point is God's grace is never exhausted. You, you, you look at, at another person's sin, and you see that God's forgive them, forgiven them, and, and, and you think, is, is there still some for me? There he is. There's plenty. 
You see, you come back to the Lord and say, again, I know your word says seven times 70, but, but Lord, this has got to be like 491. Is there, is there still grace for me? And the Lord says, there is. If you follow His direction and sit at His feet, He'll feed you with, with good bread and you'll be satisfied. This whole scene ends with proof provided. Verse 42 and 44. He divided up the two fish among them all. Look at verse 42. And they all ate and were satisfied. It's a word that means to, to be fattened like, a, like an animal. It's what, what you would do for a, for a cow before you would, you would put it to slaughter. You would gorge it. it. The same word is used in Revelation 19, verse 21, and it, it's translated in the English, gorged. He provided them a volume of food that was beyond comprehension, and they ate until they were full. Now, it's probably hard for us to grasp. Maybe not for all of us. Some of you have been hungry and have gone without food, and you couldn't get it for any number of reasons. But in this society... It was an odd thing to have enough to be completely satisfied. And he provides a volume of food beyond their comprehension. What a sharp contrast to what the disciples offered. A deficiency of fun and a scarcity of food. We don't have enough money and all we've got is five loaves and, and, and two fish. And Jesus just keeps, keeps feeding Now, you think about the, the, the volume. One said if a boy's lunch was five crackers and two fish, then what would you say, an adult was ten crackers and four fish? Do the math, 25,000 times. You've got hundreds of thousands of crackers broken up and scattered and hundreds of thousands of fish just coming out of his hands. Every time the disciples come back, he gives them more, and they eat until they can't eat anymore. And look at verse 43. The end of it. And they picked up 12 full baskets of broken pieces and also of the, of the fish. Sanctify what my heart, Lord, um, because I, I want to call this person that I'm getting ready to, to quote a, um, a moronic name. I read one guy who said that, that uh, Jesus had them go around and pick up the, the fragments because he was concerned about the environment. I guess he didn't read about the 2,000 pigs that Jesus ran, you know, let the demons run into the seas. You've got these floating pork bellies all over the, the Sea of Galilee. It has nothing to do with the environment or that Jesus doesn't like litter. He had them pick it up because he wanted them to see that, that his blessing was so great, it was more than enough. And don't miss just, don't miss how many baskets there are. There just happens to be 12 baskets for 12 lessons. How many apostles? One lesson for each. Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. He is the greater Moses, providing a greater exodus. He has greater compassion. He doesn't send them away. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. He has greater power. He makes a greater provision. He brings greater satisfaction because he is the, the greater bread.
and He cares more than you do, and He can do what you cannot do, and He can provide what you cannot provide. Oh, the your resources are never enough, but His is a limitless supply. And that supply is available to you whether you serve Him like the disciples. They're really the the focus. It's a lesson for them. The people just get the blessing. But you have to stop looking at your circumstances no matter how late in the day it is. And you have to stop trusting in your own resources, whether that's in your pocketbook or whether it's your loaves and fishes. And you have to sit at His feet. And when you do, He'll feed you good bread. See the shepherd of the sheep. Do you think the disciples got it? They got the lesson? Sadly, they, they did not. There's two more times, and we'll see it when it's coming up in Mark, where, where Jesus specifically says, you didn't get the lesson in the feeding of the 5,000. Do you think the crowd got it? Well, you, we don't have time, but you could go over to the other, some of the other gospel writers. And, and in the morning... The crowd shows back up again, and you know what they want? Breakfast. And Jesus says to them in John, Here's the breakfast. Eat my flesh and drink my blood, because I'm the bread of life. It's past the physical needs. It's time to focus on the spiritual needs. And you remember the story in John? It says, And many left were offended by that and walked away and did not follow Him anymore. Is He an offense to you? You can enjoy the blessings. You can enjoy the gifts. But those gifts come from a giver. And that's where the real worship lies. So what about you? What will you do? with Jesus today and what He offers and provides.